Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we do have Sophia. Hi, Sophia. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? I'm very good, yeah. Thank you very much for uh, coming to join us today on this Baku preview. Are you looking forward to the weekend? Oh, literally can't wait. It's one of my favourite tracks of the season. Mm, And if it lives up to last year, we're going to have a good race. It's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also alongside us uh, today from the Everything F1 team, we've actually got a newbie, uh, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks, James. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Now, as as it's your first podcast, can you you share a bit about uh, who you are and what you're you're doing with your life? Yeah, I'm I'm predominantly a student, uh, but I do also work full time. Um, My main hobbies clearly is uh, f1 um i love motorsports in general anything with an engine um is great um but yeah pretty much it's about it really i'm quite a boring person to be fair i study <laughs> politics work in a restaurant and i love f1 um it, it's not boring at all no it's not boring at all it's <laughs> lovely to have diverse accents diverse opinions and that's why we, we're happy to have you on the team um but there might be a face that some of our watchers will recognise, uh, certainly a, a name that you'll recognise from the motorsport world. We have a special guest with us today, Bianca Bustamante. Hi, Bianca. How are you? Hi. Thank you guys for inviting me over. No, thank you very much for coming to join us. I'm really, really excited to kind of hear your opinion on things and, and find out about your career as well uh, to date. Um, for any uh, viewers or listeners to the podcast uh, that might not know who you are, um, I'm sure there will be a few, sure there will be some that do. Can you kind of give us a brief outline of who you are, what you do uh, within the motorsport world? So, hey, everyone. I am Bianca Bustamante. I'm a 17-year-old racing driver from the Philippines, and I've recently joined W Series. This is my first. This is my first ever year in Formula Car Racing. It's my rookie season, and I made my transition from Formula from karting to Formula Cars. And I've had ten years of experience of professional karting. I've raced all around Asia, America, Dubai, just all over the world, really. And and so I started driving at the age of three and. I had my very first professional race at the age of six, and that's sort of where it led on. And I've won various uh, awards and championship, Asian Junior Karting Champion, a National Carter of the Year, Philippine Driver of the Year. And, um, and, and yeah, so I guess I was noticed by the W Series, and they invited me over for a shootout in Arizona back in January this year. Mm-hmm. And 
they saw talent and potential in me, I suppose. And I did fairly well in that shootout. And I was given an opportunity to do a preseason test with them in Barcelona, uh-huh. which I drove okay. I mean, it was a it's a it was it was my first experience driving a Formula Three car, mm-hmm. and it was difficult, but we pushed through. And so they uh, asked me if I wanted to race and gave me a two year deal with the academy team. So yay! Wow, that's nice. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. But an exciting one and a one that I'm really excited to unpack and kind of go into a bit more detail um, after we've kind of broken down the, uh, our thoughts on the weekend ahead uh, for the Baku preview. Uh, but yes, definitely for anyone who is listening, stick around to after our preview because I'm sure you'll be able to find out loads of great tidbits about Bianca's life in motorsport. Um, so the Baku Grand Prix is this weekend, as we mentioned. Uh, it's one that we're all pretty pretty excited to watch after after last year's shenanigans, shall we say? There was there's plenty going on, tire failures left, right, and centre. Was it the magic button for Lewis Hamilton and Perez uh, finishing our podium, which was uh, exciting? So let's go into it. Sophia, your opinion obviously is it is it's an exciting race. Uh, what is it about Baku that makes it exciting for you? I love street tracks. I prefer them. I quite like them because as controversial controversial as it may be i feel like it's more interesting because the roads will change on a daily the like it just makes it so interesting especially the corners as well mm-hmm. that iconic corner going into the castle with oh, the gravel yeah. and everything like that image is iconic and out of all the street circuits i mean singapore as well is still on my list as well but <laughs> I don't know, like, I think the two 90-degree corners are the ones that are quite interesting to see as well. And, and I can't wait to see how it's going to be with this new regulations, hmm. wider cars, longer cars. It's going to be a proper shootout. And I hope that it lives up to how it was last year. Oh, it's got a lot to live up to, hasn't it, Stephanie? So do you remember do you remember last year's race? Yeah, I do. I do. It was, um, it was one for the books. Certainly, obviously, it was very dramatic. Um, And like Sophia said, the the chase from um, the starting grid, you know, through corners one, two and three, Mm -hmm. is just absolutely out of this world. um, It is a a street circuit like no other. And and again, like she said, you know, Castle Gate is just so iconic and it's so narrow. So it'd be be really exciting to see how uh, the new regulations stand and how everything sort of works out this year. And and who obviously is going to end up on the podium. That's obviously the most important part. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. And Bia, um, are you a street circuit fan? So do you like the street circuits or do you prefer track? I got a bit of taste of it in Miami. Miami Mm. Miami Grand Prix was my very first race and it was a street race. So I would say street circuits are just a whole new level. It's like a different breed of racing because it's like it's so eventful anything can happen you can be leading and crashing into the wall the next lap mm-hmm. and it's just like this tiniest bit of errors that can lead to cascade of events and so it's it's really exciting i mean like back last year we didn't really know who was gonna win you know like with, with um with max the crash and perez taking the win it was just like no one knew what was gonna happen and I'm really am looking forward to it this year, especially with the new cars, you know, like, and with the shorter cars and stuff and, and being at a street circuit, I, I don't really know who's going to win. Like, to be mm. honest, I myself, I'm a Ferrari fan, uh, okay. but I really do think that, that um, like um, Red Bull is, 
is really having a good comeback, you know, with Perez win. I'm I'm really hoping that he he would actually, you know, go for a double win this weekend, back to back win, maybe. It's very possible, isn't it? You know, he's looking really impressive, uh, unless he's still suffering from the the hangover from Monaco. That's the uh, oh, that's the only thing. <laughs> the racing life. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I'm sure he's used to it by now. Okay, so the vital statistics for Baku are as follows: the first Grand Prix for Baku in Azerbaijan uh, was 2016. Uh, we have uh, 51 laps this weekend, and the circuit length is 6.003 kilometers, with a total race distance of 306.049 kilometers. Uh, the lap record is currently held by Charles Leclerc, who did his fastest lap in 1 minute 43.009 seconds. And he did that in 2019, so it wasn't broken last year. Um, and I don't think we're going to see any breaks of uh, fastest lap records uh, this weekend either, with the new cars being heavier and whatnot. But you never know. The stranger things have happened. We, we did get, get some quite fast laps uh, in Monaco. Um, let, let's talk about people then. Who, who are you expecting to do well? Let's let's talk about Max Verstappen because he is obviously uh, the, the the leader of the championship at the moment. Um, Bianca, have you have you had a chance to meet Max Verstappen? Uh, yes, uh, in Miami we were, we had a chance to be backstage with the F1 drivers when okay. it was the opening ceremony. So like all the F1 drivers, they were announced to the stage, and we didn't really actually um, get the memo that even the W Series drivers would be announced on the stage alongside with F1. So mm. when we saw them, I was just like freaking out. Like <laughs> like it felt like such a dream because. To be honest, five months back, I would never expected something like this would happen to me, like living the dream, racing all over the world and having them in front of me, wow. like it was just like amazing. And, you know, as like seeing them in person, like their build, how strong they look firm and you really look up to them. And, and I do. And it, w it was great. I didn't get to have a few conversations with them, but I did get to see them. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's still time for that, isn't there? You know, uh, as I say, you're still very young in your career. Uh, you've, got, you've got plenty of places to go uh, where you're going to, because you're supporting the F1 teams uh, th throughout this throughout the year for you, through your season. So there's loads of opportunities for that uh, in the future. Um, do you think Max will do well uh, in Baku this weekend then? Um, I think um, Max fairly does well in like, in, in all the races that he finishes. So yeah. as long as he finish, I think he'll have a very strong weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good record to have, isn't it? Every race that he's finished this year, he's won. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, oh, <laughs> oh, no, no, last, obviously, last the, the last race was the, the first that he didn't. Sorry, we can't say that anymore. That's a point, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was the case uh, before the last race in Monaco. Um, Sophia, do you think uh, Max will perform well in Baku? Obviously, he performed brilliantly last year, um, <laughs> and it was it was just the tyre that let him down uh, on the streets of Azerbaijan. Definitely. I mean, he's had four DNFs, actually, at Baku. Like he's, and then the time that he did finish, he finished ninth. So he hasn't had the best opportunities in Baku. And like you said, if it wasn't for the tires, he would have taken first for mm. sure, or he would have taken podium for sure. Yeah, and that that time was super crucial as well. If you look at the numbers, that kind of was going to solidify his lead over Lewis Hamilton and not have the Abu Dhabi spectacle uh -huh. of that race. Um, <laughs> but coming into this one, I think they will do well. I don't know how well they will do compared to Ferrari because they are getting better, mm. but I think. 
the straights might be like the slow corners will be a little bit more difficult, I think, for the Red Bull. Um, they'll be good on the straights, but just on the corners, and especially with how sharp these corners are on the street track, there might be a, sm- a few close calls for sure. Ah, okay, so you're are you favouring Ferrari then for this weekend? <sighs> I think so. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm torn between the two. I'm torn between either the Red Bull and Ferrari. I think. I, to be fair, even I, I, Mercedes might kind of pull out of the bag potentially as well. If, but that might we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's a toss up. Um, I think Red Bull, one of them will do well to the podium. Okay. Just, I can't I can't choose between the two. Okay, well let's talk about Sergio Perez, Stephanie. Uh, are you a are you a Perez fan? Uh, everyone's a Perez fan. I mean, <laughs> he's a nice guy, isn't he? You know, he is. He, he's, he seems like a lovely guy. He does. Um, but yeah, I am. And you think his chances this weekend? Obviously, he had uh, coming off the off last year's uh, success. Um, yeah, uh, not just last year. I mean, last week, last week as well as Monaco. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he can sort of bring that attitude forward for this week, and maybe that sort of might get him in the right mindset. If he's won at Monaco, then hopefully he can get at least a podium or maybe even a win um, mm-hmm. at Baku. But um, you know. It's just a toss-up. It's just so close between the two. I mean, there's only 15 points between them both in the uh, drivers' championship. So um, it's so it's so close. Definitely, really tough one to call. But um, yeah, it will be exciting. Definitely, we're really looking forward to uh, to Sunday. Now, what are your thoughts on Christian Horner came out after the race in Monaco, and he's and and even though there were team orders in Spain, he has said, you know, we the only thing we're interested in is the constructors' championship. The drivers are free to battle it out. Now, obviously, that's two conflicting things because Spain, in Spain, they clearly weren't free to battle it out, but they were in Monaco, uh, and Sergio Perez was the victor. So, I'll go to you, Bia. Do you think that that is the case? Do you think? that Perez really does have equal footing in the Red Bull team? Or do you think team orders might come in sooner rather than later? That's always a funny subject to me, like (laughs) having teammates. So like as a driver myself, like the first person I always have to beat is my teammate. Like that's just just as a driver. And uh, hearing a team manager say that, that he doesn't favor any anyone is, of course, for the media, it sounds very good. But I think to be honest on the inside, there is a driver where they would prioritize more on the setup, on the car, even though they run identical mm-hmm. uh, on the strategy. And it, it, I, I guess like we've, we've seen a bit of um of of like just how much they would tend to prioritize Max a bit more. Yeah, and and that's just normal for racing, to be honest. You know, there's always going to be the number one driver, or number two, even though there shouldn't be. That's why it's always a funny subject as a driver talking about it and, and it, I do feel bad for, for um, Checo uh, or for anybody that goes through that, you know, mm-hmm. like I think he really is a very tough, like very consistent driver and he should be given more, more attention for his driving. He's, he's really well. I mean, I really do think that he could be battling for a championship even. Well, absolutely, he could. And, and and last year he was there, and he he played the support role, and he knew what he was there to do, you know. And that secured him his position in the team. Now he's, I'm sure, very hungry to actually be a championship contender because um, they're not there to be second place. They're not there to play second fiddle. You yourself know that as as a, as a, as a racing <laughs> driver yourself. So, yeah, I'm sure that the mentality is something that all racing drivers have. Um, Let's move on to Ferrari and get your opinion, uh, Bia, on Ferrari. Um, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz are having two kind of 
contrasting years really uh Charles Leclerc is performing well um you know obviously he was he was leading the championship until very recently when Max overtook him um the car looks brilliant but Carlos is having a few runs of bad luck um, <laughs> yeah it's a strange time to be a Ferrari fan I guess isn't it you know quite it quite exciting yeah um so obviously we've had a really strong start for the year mm. and of course that gave a lot of Ferrari fans hope, but I guess we're now at the point where um, it really starts to matter, where it can't just be like a fluke. Because mm. some like, some people really think that it is being how strong Ferrari is, and I guess the pressure is getting up to them. Like in Monaco, we really pushed Charles to perform well because mm. he has never finished in a race in Monaco, and so he did finish. But I really think that the team like let him down, the strategies and everything, and he really is a strong driver, and I really do hope that he gets better. And, like, it is a very tough time to be a Ferrari fan right now, you know, having such a strong start and being yeah. let down like this. But, but you know, we continue to fight another race, and I really do hope that they have a strong weekend in Baku. I know, you know, like, being overtaken in the championship points is, is, is very tough, but this has got to fight back. It might be the motivation that Charles needs, you know, and, and he has got the fastest lap uh, around the circuit. So it's, it's you know, it, everything to play for, really, uh, on the streets of Baku. Um, Stephanie, your, your thoughts on Ferrari's chances this weekend? Um, well, Ferrari have never won in Baku, so... No. Um, it they, could be, be they could be trying to write that wrong right this uh, right as we speak, getting all the strategies in or in line. Uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it it can all just play down to like the last second on the last lap. It mm. literally could just boil down to you know the fifty first uh, you know lap, and one of them might have an engine failure, or somebody might have a blowout, or a puncture, or something might happen, and um, it puts a bit of a spanner in the works, and nobody actually knows. Mm. Uh, but with Verstappen's sort of statistics and his sort of stats of every race that he's finished, he's either won or been on a podium. Yeah. Um, especially this season, it wouldn't surprise me um, if he's up there, along with Perez as well. He, you know, he's um, they're both very, very strong drivers. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they were both up there and sort of played the team game between each other um, mm. as well. You know, they, they do pretty much every race, um, you know, but we'll see. I mean, again, with uh, with with signs, uh, he's not doing amazingly well this season, uh, but we might see a bit of a, you know, a turning point from this week onwards. Um, you know, well, it he, might he, take until the summer break. But it, you know. he came, he came second in Monaco. Maybe that's the the kind of the. Well, yeah, the, that know. was his sort of redemption. But um, you never know. Again, you know, you never know. So, uh, but you know, with, with Charles and. It's just so hard to call. I don't know. It's very exciting, though. Um, <laughs> but again, like I said, you know, they're, they're all very, um, very strong drivers. And, you know, Ferrari's never won there. So hopefully maybe this might be their chance to sort of turn the tables and, you know, turn the tide and see what happens. Maybe it might be a first this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, Sophia, anything to add about the Ferrari team? Oh, I mean, you got yeah. the... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We Sorry. both went with an A, I heard, so... I heard Zia and I was like, oh, Sophia. <laughs> Sophia, it's sorry. I'll come back to you uh, afterwards to add anything, to, uh, but we'll, we'll listen to Sophia first. Sophia, what, what were you saying? Yeah, sorry? I mean, the only two things is the gravel traps and the narrow roads and the narrow corners. That is Ferrari's nightmare with both of the drivers. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think I saw a meme about it uh, today of 
say Ferrari's worst nightmares. Um, <laughs> but it, to be fair, like Charles has the fastest, so like he has proven that he is quite good. Um, and I mean, I think it's going to go down also to qualifying and tire strategy because I just double checked the weather. It's about thirty degrees on Sunday, wow. so it's a little bit warmer than expected mm. from like last season. So again, will we see tire blowouts? Will we have tire managements like how they did in Barcelona? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, hopefully Pirelli will have got on top of that because that will not look good for we them hope. if they have re- repeats of last year uh, with the Stroll blowout and the uh, and, and the Max Verstappen blowout. Bring out the super softs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you want to end uh, our discussion about Ferrari? Obviously, as, as the Ferrari fan on the uh, on the panel today, uh, Bia? No, 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 nothing. I just got confused. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's move on to uh, another team uh, that's doing... Well, having a mixed bag, really. McLaren. Uh, we're not so secret McLaren fans on the uh, on the Everything F1 podcast. And it, it's been a bit up and down this year. Um, one driver is doing well and, and is quite consistent. The other driver, uh, not so much uh, in Daniel Ricciardo. And actually, there's talks about, is he performing well enough to keep his contract for next year? Obviously, that's conversations for another time. But... Um, how are you finding watching McLaren this year, uh, uh, Bianca? Oh, it's really heartbreaking, to be honest, because yeah. I know everyone just loves Danny Rick. Everyone loves Ricardo. I mean, yeah. And so it's really like you, you get confused because like Lando is doing reasonably well. Even mm. last year, he did really, really good. So And Danny Rick at times even fails to qualify for, Q, for Q2. And, and that's just... You know, like surprising coming from a really strong season he's had with Red Bull, mm-hmm. and then he, he comes to this. And but that really just shows maybe it's through the car, maybe it's more designed for Lando's driving and stuff like that. Maybe he's just having a hard time adapting. But you know, it's been two years. I mean, like, mm-hmm. so you really need to like you just start thinking: was he like even really good to begin with? And I, I'm really sure that he is, but but it's tough because you really don't know what's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's a great personality on the grid, so he's always great to have a good conversation okay. with. But it, it must be quite hard for him to turn that smile on every single day, going, you know, um, due to his lack of performance. Uh, I'm sure he's putting the pressure on himself as well as other people within the team putting pressure on him. Sophia, uh, Lando, and Danny Rick, what what do you think? I mean, the gap now. Uh, Lando's just kind of wiping the floor with Danny, and. Like um, Bia said as well, it it's been two years. Like he also had the same issue with Renault as well. It took two years, and even then, it still wasn't like his Red Bull days. It's mm. it is kind of worrying. And then obviously, given the fact like with Monaco with this crash, first thing asked was, "Is the car okay?" Obviously, it could be played out by media to make it like as dramatic as it is. No, taking some DTS notes um, into play, but I don't know. I just feel like he needs to step up soon. Because I've said this from the beginning of starting podcast with everything F1 is he might go by midseason, which is not the best for McLaren, but no. it is potentially possible. If he's not performing well enough compared to Lando, who's been ill for the last two races as well, <laughs> and is double his like performance going into Q3, finishing in the points, being close, like top six, like he's performing so well. And somebody who is so experienced and seasoned as Daniel Ricciardo, mm. not even getting maybe a fraction of that, 
that's a lot of questions. And then obviously the rumor with like obviously Pato extended his contract with uh, Aaron McLaren SP, but then there was he's also a reserve driver <laughs> as well. So mm. there's com- there's a lot of uh, talks. You even have like Colton Herta as well that wants to get into F1 with McLaren. Like there is something that's going to happen either after Hungary or probably at the end of the season with McLaren. There's going to be a few shakeups, I think. Yeah, I, I think McLaren aren't the type to get rid of mid-season, personally. Um, I no. mean, Zach Brown even said they could break the contract if they can. They, he but said I that think, in Monaco. But he's contracted till next year, the end of next year, so that's maybe what he means by breaking the be. contract. And Pato Ward, I think, is too, at the moment, he's too into yeah. the indie at the moment. He's, he's doing well, um, and to bring him out of that, too soon, I think, would be too early. He finished second in the 500, and then I think he finished top five last weekend in Detroit. So he's doing well, but had he not been doing well, then it might have been another kind of conversation. Okay, well, let's move over to Mercedes, one of the other top running teams. They seem to be getting there. I mean, George Russell is ringing the, the absolute everything out of that car. Uh, he's doing so well, uh, Stephanie. It's, it's very, very impressive against the seven-time world champion, Lewis Hamilton, who's not necessarily doing so well. But again, the car hasn't been what it's supposed to have been uh, for the team. Yeah, I just, um, I feel like, again, both completely different drivers in their driver's style and sort of the way that they go about things. Mm. Um, I don't know whether or not the reason why Hamilton's not doing as well as what he should be doing or what he was doing was because the end of last year and the antics there sort of have thrown him off. Uh-huh. Uh, but you would have expected him to recover by now. Or maybe George has just sort of blended with the car easier. Mm. Um, you know, those cars are not a, I just get in, put your keys in and go sort of thing. They are yeah. very, very difficult to drive. So, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I think George uh, feels he has a lot to prove as well. So he's going to be pushing a lot more than what, let's say, uh, Lewis would be. You know, um, you know, Lewis has got all the titles in the world. You know, it's, um, it's for those. He's got nothing to prove to any of us, really. Uh, mm. But George is the one that's really hungry. He's the young one in the team. He's the one that's pushing for... Um, you know, to be on the podium, to be up there competing for the Drivers' Championship. And that's what I think he's mainly focusing on um, at the moment. But yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Bianca, uh, have you got uh, opinions on the seven-time world champion, Lewis Hamilton, and of course, the young pretender to the throne, George Russell? Yeah, like, you know, George is definitely a good dark horse in this, in this subject. You know, like, he's coming from out of nowhere and just showing Lewis Hamilton how it's done, sort mm. of, like uh, qualifying him, finishing ahead of him. Like, it's it's really crazy, like, like seeing it. And coming from a really bad season last year, like Lewis, I'm sure he'd be more hunker to, for, to redeem himself. But like, mm. he doesn't seem like it at this point, you know, and I was hoping that with the even car, he'd be more eager to prove that it's not the car that would give him the win rather than himself. Mm-hmm. And but that's apparently not happening, and so maybe just a little bit disappointed with the performance. And I, I he's a an amazing driver. He is everyone's idol. Is beaten all the record in Formula One. Yeah. And well, except for except for um the most championship wins. But but yeah, I mean, it's I guess in the same situation as well as Ricardo. I mean, with the Lando and him, with him having more experience, but Lando once again outperforming him so mm. it's it's tough yeah it, it is it is tough to watch uh mercedes uh if you're a lewis hamilton fan not so much if you're a george russell fan uh 
it's best to just sit on the fence and enjoy both, I think. Um, I'm not going to go through every team uh, for because obviously we'd be here all night and we don't need to do that. Um, so what I want to do is I want to go around to each of you uh, and you can pick one person that you're, in, you're looking forward to to kind of watching at the weekend uh, and think their performance will do well. I'll go to Sophia first because she looks deep in thought. So <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, the quick one thing about Mercedes as well, is the porpoising issue is going to be a key thing with the straights in Baku. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the same issue in Miami, which had the long straight as well. So that might be something to look out for. Um, obviously, they said that they did resolve it, but in coming into Barcelona and Monaco, but it's not as much straights as... Um, Miami and Baku is um, Gasly uh, like he's one of my favorite drivers Yeah, I think he did well in Monaco for what he did the overtakes obviously not getting out of Q1 due to the incident with his teammate mm. causing the red flag I think he, he needs to step up his game because now that Paris has re-signed his contract to 2024 like even Helen and Marco said to, uh, today, like there is no other place besides Alfatori for him potentially. Like there's no one kind of above Alfatori at his level that is available for seats for next season. But then at the same time, does he want to stay in Alfatori? It, it's it's a weird kind of dynamic and mix, and he's not performing well. Yuki's beating him by five points in the champions table right now. Mm. Uh, surprisingly, um, Gazi's just making stupid mistakes and easy mistakes. We saw in Miami twice happening, um, but I hope he's done well uh, in, in Baku. <laughs> like he finished third last season, yeah. uh, so he's been on the podium. Yeah, I really would love it to happen again, but I'm aiming for a top six, hopefully. Well, let's not forget that McLaren seat might become available next year for him, and that's what I, that's my that's Ooh. my that's my gamble anyway. Imagine. That's Imagine. my that's my five pound bet that I'm going to put on for next year. Um, Stephanie, is there anyone that you would like to talk to before we move on to our interview with Bianca? Uh, yeah, but with the Gasly and, uh, and Ricardo thing, um, a swap would be um, very interesting, and I would be there for a Danny Rick return to uh-huh. Red Bull, definitely. That would be interesting. Um, but the person that I'm looking out for most this weekend is uh, Mick Schumacher. Obviously, uh, will we see him um, gain his first points, not just the, this season, but his career in general? Is he going to pull something out the bag? Mm. Um, you know, his unfortunate collide with um, Vettel, you know, that sort of knocked him down and probably knocked his confidence along with it. Yeah. You know, um, we know that the pair of them are, are very quite close um, anyway mm-hmm. in terms of friendship. But um, in terms of racing, maybe that knocked his confidence quite a bit. And um, I think we saw a little bit of that uh, last weekend. Uh, but this weekend we should be interested as to whether or not he will actually be in the points and if he's going to finish top 10, which um, is one to look out for, I think. And Gunter Steiner is, he's had strong words in the press saying, you know, he can't afford to keep doing what he's doing with our cars, but he's spending lots yeah. of money uh, repairing okay. uh, the Haas. Uh, and, and his teammate is doing really well. So, you know, it, yeah. it's, it makes it that little bit extra uh, difficult for him, puts that little bit more pressure on him. Uh, I feel like we're back in the Grosjean situation again, you know, mm. so... That's where I feel like we're out at the minute. We're a bit of a stalemate. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah. We will. Bianca, have you uh, anyone that you want to talk about before we move on to your interview? Um to like to be honest, I'm just really 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 focused on the championship fight with Charles and 
really just disappointed how the team is selling him off with like those easy wins. It's yeah. it's crazy. Mm. Uh, I do. I, he just deserves better, to be honest. And I do hope that he does get better this weekend. And we really need a win to get back on that on that point. Just, uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll be up there. Okay, let, let's make a prediction uh, for the weekend. We'll just uh, we'll just we'll just predict the, the predict the podium. I know it's difficult. It's really hard because um, we don't know this, but we like to kind of just you know have, have, have a little bit of fun. Sophia, I'm coming to you first again. <laughs> it's always <laughs> me on the spot. Um, yeah, I said this before, and I'm going to stick by it. I think it is going to be Max, Charles, and George Russell. Oh. Mercedes on on the podium, that'd be good. Uh, Stephanie, um, yeah. So for same top two, top two. So Max first, um, Charles in second, and I you, think you're, you're breaking Bianca's Checo. heart here as a as a Ferrari fan. <laughs> I think Checo will be in third as well. So um, okay. we might see a Red Bull one three, hopefully. Hopefully, oh, are you a, are you a Red Bull fan? Have you have you shown I am, your yeah. hat? I don't oh, think I yeah. could keep that any longer. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I'm sorry if I offend yeah. anyone. <laughs> everyone's in like, everyone's entitled to their uh, their their favourites. Absolutely, that is true. <laughs> Bianca, go on then. It's it's your turn to pick a top three. It's tough because, like, as a fan, like I know what I want, but I do also know the facts, and the fact is that Max might be taking a win this weekend. Right. <laughs> but but yeah. Definitely Charles Max one and two. Um, yeah. I don't want to name who's one and two, but but yeah, <laughs> I do hope that you know um, that Carlos will get back on a podium again, and or maybe Checo. It's it's really tough. But yeah. Okay, and I'm going to choose. I, do you know what? I'm going to choose Charles. I'm going to say it's going to be a Charles victory. Um, and that's not just because you're here, Bianca. That's not just because you're here. That I, I think genuinely he has got a good chance this weekend. Uh, I think Max Verstappen will be second because, come on, it's it's their it's their championship battle, and it's great to see. Uh, and I'm going to choose Lando because I love Lando, and, and obviously I'm a very not so secret McLaren fan. So Lando Norris uh, for third uh, on the podium. But that's enough about F1 uh, for the minute. Uh, we're going to chat now to our guest of honor. Uh, we've got Bianca Bustamante, who obviously gives her her opinions on the Baku race. But now we want to hear about her. Uh, we want to unpack what she told us at the start. There was loads of loads to unpack. I mean, you were driving from three years old. Uh, yes. Um, so my wow. dad was a karting driver. And okay. He, he showed me the sport, motorsport racing, and he got me a baby kart at the age of three. And that's when I started driving a 60cc engine baby part Bambi. and yeah that's just really been my life ever since i was at the track every weekend and i was racing from six onwards and i was just racing over the world and and doing what i love but but, you know the reality is it is so tough to make the transition to formula cars budget wise Uh you know i i come from a very middle class family we're not very rich, so my dad had to work three jobs just to fund my karting. And thankfully, mm. when I reached junior karting, I was able to get sponsors, free seat drives in karting. But but then Formula Cars is it's a whole new level, and it is very hard to get into. You know, just a Formula Four season is very expensive. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Is your aim F one? 
Yes, of course. Uh, I I do it because that's my goal. You know, W Series is a great step. I think it's a it's a great. Um, they have very good motives and they have a very great vision. But I think the end game is will forever be Formula One. Oh, absolutely! It's good to hear that because we do absolutely need an F one a female F one driver. You know, we, we, we're, we're as fans we're, we're kind of screaming out for it. We need that representation within the sport. Um, gladly, we've got lots of uh, females in well not lots but a, a contingent of female kind of engineers uh team uh, members that are within the paddock um there's lots of females about well again i say lots but it's in inverted commas um but we need we need that we need that lady uh in, in the actual seat itself um sophia have you got a question for uh, bianca yeah so um you're from the philippines is there quite a big motorsport community back there um did you like do a lot of the karting there and then transition to another location or like obviously you started started at three like did you move overseas when you were like six when you went into like kind of professional uh karting yeah that's um it's tough coming from philippines or just asia in general you know like philippines is a third world country it's not very known for motorsport because it is very expensive and and although not a lot, there have been Filipino drivers that have raced internationally abroad. You know, there's even a uh, Filipino Formula 2 driver that won in Monaco, um, uh, Marlon Stockinger. And I he, I look up to him. And, you know, being the only Filipino that's ever reached that, that level, I, I do hope that I get to be there one day like him. But unfortunately, the motorsport scene in the Philippines is just very low and it's currently dying especially with the pandemic that happened, it affected Asia, it affected Philippines. And I wasn't able to do what I wanted. Uh, mm. I wasn't able to race for two years, actually. I was just retired for two years. I couldn't do racing. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even work out or go to the gym because you needed to be 18 to leave the house, to oh, enter wow. the mall, you needed to be 18. That's how strict it, it was during the pandemic. So that just halted my progress. But, but, but yeah, um, because of just how lack of recognition there is in motorsport in the Philippines, I didn't really have a good, I didn't have a good platform to progress as a racing driver. Like there was just nowhere that I could gain more, like I could gain more experience. So the best bet for us was just to travel overseas and race around Asia, like Sepang, Thailand, Singapore, and race against Asian drivers. Um, because locally there wasn't a lot of competition, mm. but, but then as I started racing and getting more experience, I once again reached a level where I was at the top in Asian industry. Uh, I won the Asian Karting Champion. I've won various China Kart Grand Prix. I've won Macau uh, three times, I think. And and, wow. and and yeah, so there was just a moment again where you sort of hit the peak and you once again need to step up or level it up. And as everyone knows, most F1 drivers are world karting champion or KZ champion, you know, Max and Charles rivalry went way back in their karting days. So it really is the grassroots and it's just where you learn everything, to be honest. So to have a really good foundation moving forward, you need to maximize karting. And but then funding was a problem once again. Uh, we couldn't afford to do European karting or the World Kart Championship just like Max or Charles did. 
mm. because it is very expensive. Um, even just to be in a winning team, it would cost million, and we couldn't afford that. So I was once again stuck, just didn't know what to do, where to progress. So by the time I hit my senior year, I I had to stop karting. So I couldn't do my senior year oh. karting because of um of the pandemic. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much the carding in the Philippines. Do you, do you think, uh, as a woman, it is more difficult to get the funding from, from these sponsors that maybe would be more willing to hand out cash to men? Oh, that's a, that's a tough topic. Um, definitely there's been a lot of opportunities that I wasn't able to get, mm. maybe rather because of my, my gender. Um, but that's just how it is for everything, you know. People tend to look down on women just because they they aren't as strong or as as brave or uh, they're emotional or stuff like that, and which I completely disagree with. I mean, one of the I'm most so powerful people are, are women, mm. and I really do think that we we deserve to be there as much as any other people, any other man does. And I've proven that in my years in karting that I am as strong, I am as brave, and I'm as fast. And there's yeah. no other reason why I shouldn't be there aside from having no funds. So it really does get a bit tough whenever you come to a sponsor or come to a team and they ask you if you have the money. And I say, unfortunately, we don't. And then they would be like, then why do why should we get you? you know, like, what makes you stand out? You're just a female or just a woman. And there's been instances like that that doors just closed on my face but it's a journey it makes you just tough it, it gives you a reason to fight you know and i've been fighting and i'm really thankful now that i've found my people you know the w series they truly truly believe in me you know when i came in when i came knocking on their door back in january as a nobody rookie like from the philippines like mm. no one even knew who i was and i didn't have a Formula 4 background, I didn't have cars or anything, I was just from the Philippines. Uh, but they still gave me a chance, they were like, we're putting not just us, but you at risk, you, you know, like me not having any like racing experience in Formula car and it's directly driving a Formula 3 car, that is very risky and it was a risk they were willing to take because they just saw how much I was willing to fight for it. And I did, I, I fought for it with every single inch of my sweat, my blood. And, 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 and yeah, we went on to our very first race in Miami, which I think I did pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. Before we get on to W Series and your experience this year so far, I, I, want, I want to know what your, your greatest achievement up until this date uh, in motorsport has been? Uh, well, it, it's funny because like, it's my first year and like, in Formula cars, so there hasn't been much law. There hasn't been much races I've done. You know, I my very first race was two months ago in cars or in Formula. But if we talk about karting, uh, I was um national carter of the year, junior carter, Asian karting open championship. I was a three time China karting champion. I've I've won Macau and. I've raced in Dubai, Australia, and even way back in 2015 uh, in Super Nationals. It is a worldwide race that it was the only opportunity that I had to race with really the top drivers, but it was held in Las Vegas. It was a street course and no one knew what was the layout going to be. It was changed every year, so it would eliminate the um, 
the the factor of having more um, practice at the track as an advantage. Mm. So no one knew who he was, and we did. We, we qualified, and I qualified um, P four out of ninety one drivers from all over the world. Wow! And I guess uh, that really just showed how much potential it had when you would eliminate the factors of just having more money because. If you had more money, you'd have more seat time, you'd have more practice. But in the track where no one knows what what it's going to be like, you don't get to practice. Mm. So, so yeah, and I was running with really top drivers in that field. I was I was driving with Ugo Guchoku, who's like now a McLaren junior driver, or Johnny Edgar. And um, I was actually behind Ugo Guchoku in start. So it's really just funny looking at it now, how far, like, from 2015, where all those drivers have become and where we are now and but yeah <laughs> not only obviously do i admire what what you've done 110 um which is amazing uh but i noticed that you're a student as well at university right um so sort of two questions in one uh what is it that you study because um i think you mentioned it was stem um sort of based subject and how do you balance uh full-time education with being um in the motorsport industry and being a driver yeah, um, I'm actually finishing my last year in um, in high school. So, and I chose this trans STEM science, technology, engineering, and mathematics because I do love math and I love engineering. But I'm also torn between doing architecture because I'm an artist and I love drawing, sketching, floor plans, drafting. But it's tough. And like to be honest, when I came into this like racing industry. When I like arrived in America in January, I had no clue what life would be like in five months for me, uh, because I wouldn't know if I was gonna get in. And it was such like a shoot for a star moment, and I landed on the moon. I'm here. Uh, it was tough, you know. Like when I got the seat, I had to move out of the Philippines, away from my family, and live here in America by my own. I, I live by myself here in America, here in Indianapolis, and it, it was tough. It was like I was thrown into this world where like I had zero clue, but it's taught me a lot and I'm learning every single day. Uh, but I, I, I get inspired from a lot of people. So, so that that's a really good moment. It's a great moment for me to be here in Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And it, it was also like such a, such a good timing because one of the, my, one of my dream school is based here in Indianapolis, Purdue. And Purdue University was one of the top engineering school in um, here in America. And you know, if ever I, I do have the chance, I would want to go there next year. You know, like right now, I'm doing really great. I'm doing really great with my academics. I'm doing online because um, going to regular school regular school is a bit tough for me right now with all the traveling. So I, I'm really missing out on the whole high school experience and stuff, but. But it's all worth it for racing. <laughs> it is, absolutely. So you just mentioned, obviously, that you're in Indianapolis. I see that you did the in, went to the Indy 500 with McLaren. Can you explain, like, how was that, uh, being trackside for, like, one of the most, one of the three most iconic races in Mosport? It was just amazing. Like, I'm getting, like, like tingles and, like, butterflies right now just looking back but. It was definitely such a moment for me, you know, I've never seen the 500 in person, you know, like, cause I lived in the Philippines, we don't really get to travel to America and watch the Indy 500 yearly. So it was phenomenal. Like 
I was there. I was uh, I was invited with McLaren. I was watching with Pablo Montoya, home Pablo, like an amazing driver. Like everyone knows JP from Formula One, from IndyCar, and he is phenomenal, a phenomenal uh-huh. driver. Just a great character as well. You know, I was there with their pit wall. Like I was there for the like ceremony. And one thing I love about America, or just like or like racing America, is how traditional they can become. Like all the salute the guns the planes the jets it's crazy it's like it's like they were there it was funny because they were in the they were in the starting grid for like an hour and they're not even getting ready they're just doing all these crazy things and it's 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 such a moment and i was there i experienced it and i experienced it with one of the best teams to be honest you know mclaren is doing an amazing job in indycar and surprisingly an amazing job in car, you know, with Pato really like sweeping the last few races. Uh, but yeah, it was great. You know, I, when the start happened, uh, it was crazy. Uh, so from, from the, from the pit, from um, the starting grid, we walked down to the pit lane or like the pit wall mm. and they gave me the headsets and I could hear in, everything i can hear the engineers the, <laughs> i can hear jp's like spotter telling him oh card your left card your right and it was just crazy like i was like smiling the whole time like 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 it's like as if someone just gave me candy um, i felt like such a kid. Just, it, it really was such a dream and you could hear them talking about strategies about pit or where to improve on and and like when they were doing pit stop i was there i was just i was like one meters away from them while they were doing the pit stop and it was just crazy i mean i've, I've seen f1 pit stop but i think indycar is like or the indy 500 pit stop is just crazy like mm. they come in just like so many drivers come in and almost at the same time and it and it's so tight as well and like the way they release it with all like minimal crashes and they're like this so close from crashing to one another each every time but they don't so that was that was that was really funny and and you know i there was a lot of crashes unfortunately during the 500 i think there were about five or six retirements and they kept happening on the same spot on the same corner and i was hearing um one pablo and his engineer or like his strategist talking about it saying that there's a bump in there and they he have to really avoid it or else the rear will just give up on you and it's just unsavable and you could really see how how much experience he has because he was like i got it and <laughs> he went from like a miraculous drive starting from p30 i think he finished p11 or something mm. like that's like what yeah <laughs> and, and like they keep telling me oh it's because it's a long race but like you don't just make up that many position because it's a long race you make up because you're freaking on it every single lap. Because you're like, Juan Pablo Montoya. Montoya. <laughs> and it, was even, and it, it got even crazier because after the race, I was like one of the few people that he got to greet when he came out of the car, you know, his, his engineer, his mechanic, and then I was there. Yeah. And then we were just talking and he was like saying that it was easy. I mean, he said that he felt like he was a camel. Like it was just like, and, and that it wasn't really as tough as it is compared to driving a street like uh, a track circuit because it's all just it's all just left turns but one of the main things he said that is is a bit hard is when you start to lose focus because of just fatigue that's uh-huh. one of the, like the things they really fight about in and like the 500 because of 
the amount of laps they do. And at, at some point it does become muscle memory, but then once you lose focus, you're like this close every single time from hitting the wall. And eventually you just give out and you make a mistake and uh -huh. that's it. So, but yeah, it was a fun experience. Really crazy. Would you drive Indy? I don't think my mom would let me. That's the problem. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm down. Like, I don't care. Like, at this point, um, like, I, I guess when I, like, if, like um, watching it in the TV, I'd be, like, a bit hesitant because mm. I never really experienced it. But watching it now, like, for the first time in front of my eyes, man, I want to race there. I, I want to <laughs> race there. I want to... I want to do it, but there is a lot of risk. Like we saw a lot of crashes, a lot of people hit the wall. And to be fair, IndyCar has like had like such a huge development in their cars with a windshield and everything, and yeah. how safe it has got it has become. Like I think the car now is very top notch, and and it's really as close as the safety is. It is an F one. Um, so, you know, even though there was a lot of crashes, they were all thankfully safe. And what, what's even crazier is that when someone crashes, it's the, it's the medical team, the rescue team, and how fast they're able to, to go to their car. And, and, you know, like back then, they didn't really have those things. And, and now they're really like progressing on their safety aspect of it. And so, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to be there. Just uh, you have to hide that from your mum until the last minute. Oh, yes. by the way, I'm, I'm I'm driving the 500 this weekend, mum. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think her heart would just, I think she'd collapse before I would. Uh, well, let's talk about W Series then. Obviously, you, you've, you've had three races. Uh, you did, you've got some points in Miami. Uh, how, how was the graduation from the carts to, to the W Series, uh, you know, yeah. Formula 3 car? What, what was it like? It's tough. It's tough because, like, you, you're a rookie and then you go up against drivers like Chadwick with like eight to five years of experience and you're just there comparing data with them and then you see where you lack and you you want to progress so fast. But mm. the thing is, you really have to go through this learning stage. Like you, you can't skip it. Everyone's been there. Everyone's, you know, everyone starts as no one, as a nobody with zero experience. And I think for us this year, that's, Definitely one of our struggles is that um, we, I have like zero knowledge and I need to, I need to learn it. I need mm. to accept myself, you know, as a driver, of course, I'm very disappointed that I couldn't, I couldn't get into the points um, this like last um, in the weekend in Barcelona, I couldn't get into the points. I get in Miami, I, I was lacking pace and everything, but uh, realistically, we need to accept that we're just not there yet. You know, we're not we're not there yet. Me as a driver, I, I need to learn. I need to gain more experience. I need to get more seat time. You know, like you can't compare a driver that's had fifty laps to fifty laps seat time compared to a driver that's done thousands. Yeah. Like that's just not comparable. Um, so we need to. So we need to work our way around it and take this year as a learning a learning year and it is like Miami was amazing I think Miami is one of really the best environments I've been like the people it was crazy there's so many people that was watching and and it was just so fun like that having as our first race was definitely amazing 
Um, Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to say that the W Series Miami race was more entertaining to watch than the Formula One race. <laughs> uh, it was. Yes, as, as, an F, as, as a predominantly F1 fan, I absolutely had more fun watching the W Series cars going around the track. Well, I'm glad you guys had um, a great time watching us perform, but <laughs> as much as it was fun watching, it was just hard, like heartbreaking because like my very first race we had about two safety cars one red flag one mm. safety car restart and like it was crazy because as a rookie going through all those major procedures it was just like i i didn't know what i was gonna do like oh safety car i knew like i watched safety cars on on like formula one like a lot yeah. of times but actually experiencing it yourself you just don't know what to do like <laughs> i'm just like i was like talking to my engineer so what do i do i wore out my tires okay and then it was like okay safety car coming in um once you reach the starting line you're green green and and then you're past and then i was like what what's happening but thankfully <laughs> um, i managed it very calmly i was able to do all those restarts those safety car we a red flag and and very unfortunate like that like four people stole during the start and it was funny i mean i mean it wasn't funny but like it, it was crazy like it just really shows how nerves can be a huge factor in how you perform in a weekend or in racing because i guess that being our first race for the year a lot of people had their nerves and everything and mm. even the pole sitter for race one stalled and that was crazy. So, but yeah, it was very eventful. <laughs> I mean, as you guys uh, were watching, race one was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I I had lots of fun. I, I went from P17 to P9. <laughs> so yeah. I definitely had a very fun race. You know, like when we did like those restarts, I was I, I was able to pass like two people on the restart just because of how calm and composed I was able to be. Mm. And that just really... As a rookie, it was amazing. You know, how how do you feel, and how how has the transition, you know, been for you from going from sort of low level uh, racing up to obviously what you are, you know, in the W Series now? Um, how do you feel with that sort of not pressure, but the sort of limelight that you get and the sort of um, you know, exposure that you get? It is very very overwhelming i think just as a seventeen year old who's going through an awkward phase like. You know, like teenagers go through an awkward phase in their lives, and <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> and so, just a few but, years ago, I won't tell you how many. <laughs> seriously, oh yes, just a few and years ago. Because that awkward phase in your life, where everything is just being documented, filmed, like written about, it, you you're not really allowing yourself to be a, a teenager or a seventeen year old, like. I can't post cringy TikToks anymore because everyone views them. <laughs> That's one of my biggest problems right now. Oh, you need I to. I love your TikToks. You I need love to. <laughs> I follow them. I love them. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I, I can't really show that anymore because of just, you know, like, it's, it, it's hard to be loved by everyone. That's just impossible to please everyone in social media or to not have haters. And I think there's just no better way of, of tackling it than being yourself, to be honest. Like, I was very overwhelmed when I saw the amount of media that we had to do. Like, we had cameras, like, just everything we did. 
like we had cameras where we were like suiting up, taking our helmets off, and I had like my helmet hair, and then my face is all messed up, and I was like, "You really want to film this?" <laughs> I look like mess, <laughs> but but yeah, and then like they film like when we're eating, when we're doing data debriefs, when we're walking back home to our hotel or whatever, and and I guess just like what Kimmy would say that F1 would be such a great place if it wasn't for the media and I think that is partially true I mean mm. when you're having such a bad weekend the last thing you want to see is a camera like yeah. if you like crash or had a DNF you wouldn't want a camera on your face just walk like following you as you walk back to the pits and I guess there's there is a like a, there's like a like a fine line to having an amount of media and just being a bit um I would say disrespectful or just completely of like disregarding the driver's feelings and and but yeah i also understand that it is part of racing now you know mm. like media social media and everything marketing it it's become a huge part of formula one you know it is or, or, or distributing in w series in general you know it is the reason why we get to race why we get to find funding for sponsors or endorsements it's because of the amount of media we do and you know racing is very expensive and so i would just have to suck it up and tell myself that if you don't do media you're not gonna race so you have to just do it yeah. so but yeah I, I love it though i i love sharing i love that i get to share my story and i'm really thankful as well for the media because if it weren't for them sharing my stories i wouldn't have been here now like I wouldn't have gained the popularity that I've I've been receiving or the support from the people. So I'm I'm really grateful as much as we can be a bit annoying. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, no, absolutely. I I completely agree. I I I fully respect the drivers if they have a, a, an off and whatever they keep their helmets on until they get back to the pit because you, I, the, the last thing you want is a camera in your face when you've just made a mistake. Uh, that's everyone is natural to do that we would all we all make mistakes we all make mistakes at some point in our life uh but yeah no one wants a camera in their face when that happens um what are your expectations then from this year obviously you say it's, it's a learning year can we see you do you think we'll see you in the points again uh yes for sure i mean even though it is a learning year for us we we showed our um we showed how fierce we can become and how competitive we can become during the first round in miami and then even though the pace isn't there, I was, I was, um, I was, I was given very high praise for my starts because I would naturally have one of the best starts in the grid, and mm. or just race pace in general. I, I'm, I'm, I have really strong first few laps. I'm like in Barcelona, I, I was able to pass five drivers during the first lap, and 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 yeah, I guess. Racecraft is something that you can't really teach or learn by having seat time, you know, like speed, pace, time, lap time. You can gain that by just doing more laps or just practicing more or driving more. But mm. I think racecraft is something that a driver just must have within themselves. And it's something that, that I think I have and it's something that I can work on, but I can also use to my advantage. So. For, for sure, there's a lot to learn, but there's also a lot of um, very positive things that that are looking good, looking very good for us. So if everything, just all the puzzles are come together, you know, 
race pace, lap time, race graph. Uh, I think a top 10 is very possible or in the points or even top five. And we were talking about, obviously, Stephanie asked you about intimidation by the media. Are you intimidated by your by by your competitors, the, the, the people that you're competing against uh, day in, day out? Obviously, Jamie Chadwick has won that championship two years in a row. She's doing brilliantly already again this year. Um, just competing against these intimidate you? For sure. Yes. They're, <laughs> they're <laughs> like, this, um, like, they're amazingly fierce and just so strong and they give like just so much intimidating vibes like like i'm just like i'm so sorry like whenever i just come across i'm just like oh my god let me get out of your way but but yes of course um on track that's not it's a different topic you know on track i think we all just we're all racing drivers regardless of experience or gender or whatever and we all drive the same car so if anything i just I just have the most to learn and you know and being at the back means the only way to go is up and mm. that's what we're aiming for and but yeah they, they can be very intimidating but at the same time it really does feel like a family whenever it's with them uh it's such such um a positive environment to be in as a 17 year old racing driver and you know there's no better place to learn or gain inspiration from other than the people you look up to, which are very inspiring women. You know, they inspire me to do better. And I get to learn from one of the best female drivers or a few of the, or again, all of the female drivers that I know mm. of, you know, like Alice Powell, Jamie Chadwick, Abby, like Abby Eaton, and just like Emma Kimmelainen. And they're, they're very fierce, they're very strong. But at the same time, they're also paving the way in women in motorsport for younger drivers like like me, like myself, you know, like as being one of the youngest drivers in, in, in that in that field, it, it can become very tough, but having them there is definitely makes it easier. Well, uh, we have had Jamie Chadwick, uh, Jessica Hawkins and Abby Eaton on uh, so far from the W Series, I think. Uh, but what they've all said is it's actually a very friendly kind of paddock in terms of the, you, you, you're obviously competing fiercely on track, but back in the paddock and kind of walking around, you're all quite friendly with each other. Do you Have you found that? Yes, that is very true. Like the amount of this like fun there is like behind the scenes is amazing. That's why... Like we have this new segment in the series, it's called Off Track, where they just film the craziest, like craziest things that they make us do. And it's really funny, like mm. they make us, it's just like the questions they ask us, like it's funny because I myself, I, I feel like it's more of a family rather than, rather than competition. Mm. And like we push each other off track and we push each other literally side by side on track so i think that's that's really fun that's like a really good thing um but yeah it's family and having actually like one of the best things i love with the grid now is that there are five rookies in the grid so compared to last year where there was only a few we have five like including myself you've got five rookies and mm -hmm. i i i love I love them so much, like um, Chloe, um, Teresa, Emily, Juju, um, and all, and myself. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we push each other so much. Like, no one knows what I'm going through as a rookie other than the people that's going through the same situation. 
and you know like they also they struggle so much like after after we drive out usually just talk with Teresa and be like why are we so slow like (laughs) what are we doing wrong like Mm. and and we just like we sort of lose motivation because just like we, we we have zero clue how to improve but but then on, on the other hand we also push one another you know we 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 um we we gain inspiration from from the other drivers that are going through the same path as we are and they kind of, they understand and the only the best like thing for us right now is to be understood if you could give uh your your younger self uh any advice what would your top three be Gosh, this is this is tough. <laughs> I would give myself lots of advice because <laughs> I think three is not enough. <laughs> but I would definitely tell myself to to keep up the discipline that I've always had. Um, like I would say that I'm very I'm a very well disciplined person, not just in racing but in life in general, and that has helped me in academic and balancing school, racing, social life, and now media and having the discipline, it, it just helps you propel in, in, in whatever path you choose. Um, but yeah, discipline, having keep the discipline, never lose it ever. Um, second, I would say is um, never skip training. <laughs> never, never skip working out, gym, training, never skip that you would regret it because <laughs> it, like it is very physical like driving that f3 car is one of the most physical things i've ever experienced in my life and when we drove in miami it was hella hot it was just burning it was on fire literally You're like and it was just so hot you get dehydrated and you're driving 30 minutes straight in a former f3 car you better work out he needs to work out. You can't miss it. So that would be the second one. And the third one, I think, would be um, listen to my manager. Listen to my manager <laughs> when he tells me not to post cringy TikToks. <laughs> no, don't listen to him. Don't listen to the manager. We want to see more cringy TikToks. Because apparently people can save them. So even if I delete oh, yeah. it, it's forever there you know like he told me everything you post on social media can never be deleted even though you delete it yourself it's Mm. forever there it's forever on the web or in google so don't post something you he said don't post something that you would delete in the Mm. future so save yourself from the embarrassing stuff so yeah no more funny tiktoks for me (laughs) go on sophia Um, (laughs) I do have one question. So I come from a small island. I come from Bermuda, um, which has limited opportunities for certain things, specifically also with sports. What advice would you give somebody who's similar to, obviously, yourself growing up in the Philippines, myself growing up in Bermuda, who wants to have a career in sports or wants to have opportunities where opportunities kind of lack? What advice would you give someone in that kind of sense? Uh, yeah, it was tough. It was, it was really tough for me. Like, I had no resources. I didn't even have a proper training facility that specialized in, 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 um, in like racing drivers or athletes. I, the, the tracks that we had 
we're just not, you know, we're not very good. They're very run down. And we didn't have a Formula car in the Philippines. So it was impossible for me to test out like in the Philippines. Mm. So it, it, it gets tough. At moments you feel stuck and you know that you can be better, you can do better, but the, the circumstance, like circumstances just won't allow it. But I really do believe that if you love something and if you truly have the passion for it, you find your way, you find a way up, you find your way out or you, 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 you make plans. And, and for me, even though at some point I, I almost gave up, I almost gave up on my dreams. I still did find a way, you know, um, I did everything I possibly could. I, and, and I'm also really grateful actually that I found my people and the people that supported me. Uh, right now, um, I'm being managed by CBR Media and Darlo Young, and he's this amazing racing driver who's won Macau Grand Prix numerous times. I don't even know how many times at this point, but he's this amazing <laughs> driver. He was he won P1 in Bathurst, and and it's, it's just incredible. And he's given me the opportunities that I never thought I would be able to get if it wasn't for him. And he opened many like many doors closed, but he was able to open me windows and that windows let me to where I am now. So I guess it's just finding the right people and the right group that will, you know, that will push you forward. Because um, if I hadn't found, you know, Daryl or CBR, I wouldn't be where I am now. Mm. So it's always just come like, it's always just finding the right people, keep fighting for it, you know, and, and don't give up. Like, even though I wasn't able to race for two years, I never gave up, not a single day. I, I tried to contact race teams, people, or just mm. to find connection to where is there an opportunity where I can race abroad outside the Philippines. And, but yeah, unfortunately, as much as I love my home country, the only way for me to succeed in my dreams is to, to get out of, of Philippines. Even though it, it, it pains me to be away from my family, from home, I, I do know that it is for the better. So, but yeah, you're really grateful. I, I totally understand that. I, I love Bermuda as much as I miss it and my parents still live there. It's what I need to do for me in my career and <laughs> hopefully for my dream. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I totally understand it. Well, there, follow your dreams, everyone. That's a, that's a lovely way to end the podcast, I think um first of all uh, thank you very much for coming to speak to us today bianca uh, have you got any anything that you want to promote while you're here do you want to promote your own social so uh, our fans can go and follow you or anything like that uh yeah so i'd i'd, I'd love to thing as well cbr media and i'd like to give a shout out to a new project that i have gotten into it's a dark horse nft access pass and it's just this amazing new world that I've gotten into and it's amazing. And I just want to tell everyone all about it. It's like really cool. And it, it really is just, it shows a lot of behind the scenes that it take, it took for me and okay. people have that access to, to follow me and, and um, to join my, my journey in reaching my dreams. Uh, so, we are now like open for the public for minting and it gives you access to just everything, everything behind the scenes uh, via Discord channel and everything. So it's a dark horse um, NFT access pass and I do hope that you guys check it out 
I know they've helped me along so much and then we've built this amazing community and they've been with me through Miami, Barcelona. And it was just crazy fun, like having them alongside me during the race and after the race, like, like this, like there's even this one video that went viral because of, um, it was an off track video from W series where Abby Eaton asked what was my favorite animal. And then I said panda, and then she made me do the panda noise. And apparently, it's a big joke now. I'm doing panda noises. What's and the panda noise? <laughs> do it. <laughs> I personally, I personally don't know. To be honest, I, I've given up. But but it's it's really funny, and they made funny edits, and it just shows the community that I'm in, and how they can become, and how they can be a part of my journey, and. And and yeah, so yeah, I'd like to thank CBR Media and the Dark Horse and the TD, the whole TDH crew, um, and um, my family and my friends, of course, and to everyone who's just helped me along the way to reach where I am right now. Oh, wonderful! Well, that, that's that's lovely, absolutely lovely. Um, well, it's been really brilliant having you on the podcast. We would obviously love to catch up with you, maybe. Uh, either later in the season or maybe next year or something like that, just to find out how you found your first season in W Series. Maybe after Silverstone. Okay, yeah, we'll uh, send you an email and uh, we'll try and arrange something in the future. I'd love to. I I, I so much. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. We've really enjoyed having you here. Um, Thank you again to my team, uh, Sophia and Stephanie, for coming to speak to us today as well. Thank you, girls. Thank you. Thank you. We are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and TikTok. Uh, We've also got our website, (laughs) www.everythingf1.com. We only do sensible TikToks, unfortunately, at the moment. Uh, And and you can also, obviously, on all the podcast streaming services, uh, and we would love it if you would hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast streaming service so you get all of our newest and latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop we will be with you next week where we discuss the events of the baku race Uh, we hope you have a great weekend and we'll speak to you then where we are interviewing richard morris uh, and he is uh it's quite an apt uh, person to have on this month because he's from racing pride and obviously it's pride month so uh, i'm sure he'll have lots of interesting things to say uh next week so we will speak to you then bye bye everyone bye bye